Welcome to edition number 20, the Voice Retail Podcast, special edition for the week of December 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc from M.E. LeBlanc Company. This podcast is done in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada and generously sponsored by Stream Commerce, North America's fastest growing Shopify Plus agency. Learn more at streamcommerce.com. Special edition. Why is it a special edition? Why well, I sat down with Peter Wolford, legend. Uh, in Canadian retail, has been chronicling Canadian retail and advocating for Canadian retail for decades, uh, is now approaching his second retirement. So I took the opportunity to sit down with Peter recently in Toronto and uh, had a chat with him and reflected upon changes in retail and uh, what he's seen and advice uh, for retailers as, uh, as we move forward. So have a listen to this great interview with uh, Peter Wolford. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome back. I'm here with uh, Peter Wolford. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Peter, uh, I like or I'm fond of saying knows where more skeletons are buried in the retail industry in this country than anyone else. Peter, how are you today? I'm doing well. And folks, you can tell Michael worked in marketing, can't you? <laughs> so, Peter, uh, you're at uh, 17 years of doing Retail Quarterly Conditions Report, years at Retail Council of Canada. You've retired, you've retired once and now you're retiring a second time, so... Um, I wanted to take the opportunity while we were together of just, you know, with such a lens on retail over, over the decades, everything from government relations to meeting with ministers to uh, from an economic lens. Tell, tell me a little bit about how retail has changed since you've been involved in, in this crazy world that we call uh, the retail industry. Boy, my goodness, when I started, Michael, I think retailers were in caves uh, selling out uh, <laughs> their merchandise, set it on rocks. I started with Retail Council in 1988, so inflation was roaring ahead at double digits. Uh, the country was in the midst of a boom, about to head into an induced recession, and retailers had no idea what was going on in their operations. Hmm. You know, when you think about it, back then, retailers managed by the seat of their pants. It was considered to be an art, and you had this mystical sense of what the customer wanted, and anybody who had that was a successful merchant, and, and nobody else really had the secret sauce. Fast forward to today, and it's a business that is so professional, so technically accomplished, so knowledgeable, so insightful. The difference is night and day. It's really, you know, I've, I often say it's the art and science, because there yes. still is an art component. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A, good mer- a great merchant, great merchants have a sense of the business and what consumers are looking for. But the science, you know, the science has really developed and it really taken hold. It has changed so much, yes. You're right. Uh, good merchants understand that customer in their bones and just know what she or he is looking for when they walk into the store or go onto the website. But as you said, the, the key difference today is the metrics for retail have emerged and become very powerful, and retailers have become very good at reading them. The classic case is inventories. You know, at mm. the start of the of the century, retailers sort of knew what they had in the DC and in the stores, but right. yeah, that was about it. And today, they're watching that stuff like hawks. They right. know day to day to day. You know from your experience in retail, yep. the the caliber of insight into your inventories is is enormous. And you know, we saw that in the downturn in two thousand eight. In every other downturn in the Canadian economy, retail inventories ballooned out of control. Didn't happen in 2008. Why? Because retailers were watching their inventories. And that's a really tangible measure of just Mm. how far the trade has moved forward. And that's before we even start talking about online commerce. Right. So that's obviously been, 
you know, there's been many changes and waves of changes over the past uh, decades in retail, but there's probably not been anything quite like online retail. Now, it's not been an overnight success either. Um, tell us a little bit how you think that's changed retail oh, from your perspective. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sat through some calls with me today sure, and yesterday. Sure. And you, you know now just how profound that change is and, and how quickly it's occurred. This holiday season is, even more than last season, is an online season. I, it's almost like every year I say this is the tipping yeah. point, but we find a new tipping point every yeah, year. Right? Yeah. Uh, this year it is, it's driving sales in, in most of the members we've talked to. It is the online space that's growing. The store is flat if you're lucky or maybe up marginally, and there are many that are down, and it's the online sales that are pulling the, the company into the black column. Just a, a dramatic change in the way the trade's operating. And that has an enormous implications for how stores are designed and operated, how you merchandise them, what you merchandise, what you buy, how you operate your website. Uh, we've been talking to members mm -hmm. about the use of mobile. Uh, the phone has just exploded in the last four years. Uh, they're now all being surgically attached in hospitals across this, this country. Those <laughs> that are being born are come with, equipped with a mobile, and the customer is using it for both research and for buying. Just enormous changes. You know, one of the questions that you uh, often ask when you're talking to retailers is, is what keeps you up at night? And uh, I'm going to ask you the same thing, and, and not in terms of, uh, I don't think much keeps you up at night uh, these days, but if you were a, a retailer, what keeps you up at night um, as you think about the retail industry and the future of this, you know, Canada's biggest private sector industry, there's, there's 2.1 million jobs that ride on the success of this industry. Boy, I, you know what, you've, let, me, let me step back from that for a minute. Um, it's easy to kind of be critical of the folks sitting in, in, in the C-suites and in management positions. But having worked with them for now more than 30 years, they really take a, a, a strong sense of responsibility for the people that work with them. Hmm. And facing the kinds of change that are storming through the industry today is, is absolutely top of mind. What, where's my company going? What does this mean for the folks that I work with every day in the store, in the D.C., in the marketing department, in the finance? Well, we don't really worry about the finance guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're a bunch of crabby old guys who always, always complain. Don't worry about them. But, you know, but seriously, it's, it's where do we fit in this new world? Mm -hmm. What will it take to survive, let alone prosper in this new world? Um, any rule that I ever knew as, re as a retailer is just out the window. I mean, we often talk about, um, we were having a conversation about the, uh, the number of years that retailers tried to eliminate the back yeah. of the store. And they said, yeah. well, my goal is to have the smallest back of the store possible. Now it's you know, fast forward to the future. The future ain't what we thought it was going to be. Now they're like, well, let's let's do a dark store strategy. So I'm shipping from store. So I yeah, want a bigger store yeah, yeah. capability. It's just you know the, the turns and twists. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I actually had a member say that. He said, Peter, I've been in retail for 25 years. For 24 of those years, I was trying to shrink my back area. Now I'm growing it. Hmm. And that's that's you know one tiny measure of just how how the the whole concept of what a store is has changed. It may not be a place where you just sell anymore. It may be a place where you celebrate the product, you mm. provide customer support, information. Selling is there, yes, but it's a pickup spot. Mm. It's, a, it's an experience. I mean, we're, we're talking about experience in retail today. Sure, sure. Um, it's with the customer going on site, on, on websites, the store is going to play a profoundly different role than it has in the past. And the two will work together yeah. in ways that the customer will teach us. 
And what you, I mean, that's such a great point. It's in ways, it's almost not a fair question to say, you know, put your forecasting hat on it. So the customers are going to tell us all that collectively over the, yeah, over the decades. Yeah, yeah. Over the you decades. know, when I, for the first, I don't know, 20 years I was in retail council, I didn't really understand what it meant to be customer driven. Mm. Boy, I understand it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 talk uh, about you for a few minutes. So, as you uh, as you look forward to the next uh, the next phase, where do you uh, think you're going to spend most of your time when you're not thinking about uh, retail? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a virus in the blood, Michael. You mm-hmm. know this as well as I do. You never really leave it. And, and amazing this week talking to members, they you get right back into it. So I will I will always carry a soft spot in my heart for retail. I will bleed retail council blue, uh, so that's that's going to be uh, very very close to my uh, my heart and my interest for quite some time. I'll do a lot more volunteer work. Mm. I still have a couple of little contracts that people want me to do. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe a bit of teaching. We'll see. I'm going to play a little more squash. Um, do a little more travel. Get to know my grandchildren better. I I expect I'll be every bit as busy as I am right now. Well, you know, on behalf of the entire industry, if I can be so bold, thank you for your contribution oh, it's been a uh, pleasure. over these many years. I think, um, you know, having someone like you to synthesize the insights or create insights out of synthesizing the feedback has been invaluable. So I think uh, anyone's got big uh, big shoes to fill and a big chair to sit in. So, uh, My, uh, Folks, Michael's saying that because he's going to be sitting in this chair in a, in a couple of months. <laughs> but you know what? It's, Managing expectations of it. It's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it's the members who've taught me. I mean, mm. I'm, I'm a former public servant. What do I know about retail? Right. So what I have learned has come from unbelievably generous people in the trade who have given so freely of their time, their insight. They are paralyzingly honest. Mm. You know, they, they, when, when things are going soft, they frankly admit it and they'll say why. Yeah. So that's, I've been taught by the very best in the business for, for so many years. And that's, that's what I've gotten out of it is they, they have just um, taken so much time and effort to teach me. And what I've been able to do then essentially is, is, is play back to them what I'm learning from, from, from the other retailers. Well, thanks again for all that. My and thanks pleasure. For, and thanks for taking a bit of time for, uh, to talk to us today. My pleasure. All the best and happy holidays to everyone. And let's hope it's a prosperous 2019. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Peter. All right, well, let's resume regularly scheduled program back to retail this week. Uh, it is the, the lull after the storm, so to speak, uh, with uh, Cyber Monday in the rearview mirror. We're now in that period of time where such excitement has been built up and such uh, sales have, have happened that now there's a little bit of lull uh, for good in some ways. gives everybody a chance to breathe, uh, both uh, online, uh, the folks behind the scenes, and also in stores. Um, but, of course, retailers all hope it's not too much of a lull and doesn't turn into kind of some kind of sales valley. Uh, but uh, so far, so good, I think. So let's just jump right in. Um, first, uh, we're talking about great article National Post on Canada Goose battles the knockoffs as they go into the Chinese market. So it's an interesting article for a whole bunch of reasons. Of course, the continued success of Canada Goose, such a strong brand internationally, such a strong brand uh, in China. And it really talks about... Um, I guess the yin and yang, so to speak, of having so many knockoffs, uh, counterfeit products developed and made and available in the Chinese market and markets everywhere, uh, that it's actually in a weird way kind of built brand recognition. And that the uh, the one thing we know about most consumers, including the Chinese consumer, is that they love authenticity. 
they like the brand Canada from that perspective and that uh, you know Canada Goose is opening retail stores and that there's no question that uh, that's an authentic product. So I think the two kind of come together really well um, and I think we'll see how that uh, how that uh, how that evolves. Uh, Hudson's Bay, uh, next in uh, retail Hudson's Bay, uh, this from the Toronto Star, uh, lowers Q3 loss as Saks Fifth Avenue drives improvement. So good news, basically, coming out of Hudson's Bay. Uh, one of the other articles said they have a pulse. Uh, the sales uh, across the brands have increased 5.6%, um, and sales from Saks grew 7.3%. So good good to see. Uh, that's, a, according to the article, sixth quarter of consecutive growth for uh, for. Uh, Sachs. So that's good to see in general. Uh, new leadership there seems to be having an effect. Uh, and of course, they are getting a bit of tailwind, of course, from a great, great year in retail in uh, in the U.S. And uh, latest uh, predictions, uh, again, listening to an NRF uh, review, are about 43 to 4.8% year-over-year growth. I mean, to put that in context, you know, the amount of sales done over the holiday in, in the U.S. is like a trillion dollars in retail sales alone. And with that kind of growth, with that kind of number, you know, four, four to five percent, that's like $250 billion. That's like the equivalent of many nations' entire retail commerce. And I think the fun factoid of that was 235 or 240 is entire retail sales for the entire year of the country of South Korea. So, it, you know, order of magnitude, it's quite big. So they're certainly getting a bit of a tailwind uh, from where it matters in the big U.S. market. Uh, so the um, good news there. Uh, from the Globe and Mail, subscribers only. So uh, one of those articles that you need to be uh, a subscriber to read. Um, and it came out in ROB magazine on Friday, missed last week's podcast. It's that um, Michael Medline, CEO of uh, Sobeys, is there is the ROB's report on businesses 2018 CEO of the year. Congratulations to Michael. Uh, coming out of, uh, I got to know uh, Michael well. Uh, he was board chair at Retail Council Canada when I was a Retail Council Canada uh, employee. Uh, great to to work with him at that level, and um, you know, such a, a visionary, great uh, strategic thinker. Uh, moved on to uh, to Sobeys. This article talks about that transition uh, in a fair bit of depth and what he's been able to accomplish behind the wheel uh, at Sobeys, which uh, had certainly run into some trouble uh, for a whole variety of reasons. Lately, uh, in fact, uh, from an expansion perspective, uh, they've um, just bought Farm Boy, not just, but a couple of uh, months ago, uh, and he uh, he's talked about how that addresses uh, their urban store formats uh, better than what they have today, and then uh, they've got e-commerce on the on the hop, so to speak, uh, with a deal with Ocado out of England. Uh, Kroger's also doing a deal uh, in the U.S. for that. So uh, really a focus on e-commerce, but uh, going to build it to last. And and uh, judging by the sophistication of the of the uh, Ocado offering, that could be a very powerful offering uh, scheduled to launch sometime in and around uh, 2020. Uh, so that is uh, is the uh, Mike Medline article. Again, all these articles are taken from uh, Retail This Week, which is Retail Council of Canada's e-news product. comes out each and every Friday, 51 weeks of the year. I put that together for them uh, and uh, really synthesizes what, uh, what and all the most interesting things uh, that are available uh, in retail for the past week. Uh, so be sure and subscribe if you don't today at retailcouncil.org.
Uh, next up, Ivanhoe Cambridge is launching a pop-up retail space at 10 shopping centers. This is interesting. I mean, generally, retail pop-up spaces in malls have had been mixed success, have been met with mixed success. Different models have been, uh, have been tried across different malls. Uh, but even the biggest malls have had a bit of a mixed success in terms of bringing in small vendors uh, and giving them exposure, uh, even giving them some pretty premium locations. So uh, Ivanhoe Cambridge, which is uh, Montreal-based, uh, they're launching it in 10 of its malls, uh, this from uh, Retail Insider. They're actually partnering with a company that helps facilitate those pop-ups, so good luck to them. Uh, whether that increases sales or traffic or dwell time, uh, all good initiatives that adds uh, excitement and really interest to the malls. doesn't always, though, uh, add sales, so that's where we'll see uh, whether the participants can get some, uh, some gain out of that. Uh, on the Darker side, I guess you could say Crabtree and Evelyn is closing all their stores. Uh, 123 people, uh, 19 stores, um, 11 in Ontario, 6 in BC. This is from National Post, uh, one in Alberta, Quebec. So Crabtree and Evelyn, I guess, lost the, you know, really lost the, the script, I guess, um, and really have been outmaneuvered by uh, the likes of Sejan and other types of uh, bed, bath, and, uh, and body shops. Bed, bath, and beyond, not quite the same thing, but at bath and body shops. Uh, so really giving it up, uh, not making a go of it. it. You know, as I often say, there is no retail apocalypse, but uh, not everyone wins equally. So retail in Canada looks like it's trending to about uh, 2, 2.5 to 3% growth year over year, but uh, not everyone wins uh, equally. It is a fiercely competitive uh, industry. So Crabtree and Evelyn uh, experiencing that uh, now and, and calling it a day. Uh, a report here, uh, and this was reported in several news, I picked up the one from the Star, uh, where there's a report that is coming out from uh, Dalhousie and Guelph around a projection about food. And the interesting thing about this report uh, is, first of all, it tends to be pretty accurate in terms of projecting forward. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's projecting a decrease in costs on, uh, on protein, particularly beef. And beef had a huge run-up in costs, like 20% in one season. Uh, and now, uh, I guess a combination of factors, people are eating less beef, and some of that is just because of price. It, it got priced out of the market a bit. Uh, other is substitutes, lifestyle changes, but um, the report's calling for less uh, price, price reductions or sta- stability at least. Uh, but overall, that the fruits and vegetables are going to go up, and some of that's climate-driven. Uh, uh, a lot of it's actually climate-driven and kind of uh, demand, and they're forecasting about one and a half to three percent uh, increase. So the average family of four, they calculate, uh, will spend twelve thousand one hundred fifty-seven dollars on food in Canada, uh, up four hundred and eleven dollars from twenty eighteen. So, uh, and I think uh, if I looked at that report, remember that that report, that's for how much is purchased versus uh, versus dining out. Um, so if that's different, I'll report on that in the next podcast and uh, either do a correction or confirmation, so to speak. You know, um, I've already talked about Ivanhoe Cambridge uh, in launching pop-ups, but at the same time, uh, they're also selling stakes in 10 shopping malls. So they're, you know, moving their, their, their portfolio. It's actually a pretty massive shakeout. Uh, this is from the Globe and Mail. I think they're getting out of some of their big, bigger-name malls, like the Mills Malls, you know, Vaughn Mills, uh, which is in North Toronto. Uh, so, um, you know, I think Ivanhoe Cambridge looking ahead, if you can do such a thing 100 years and thinking, um, you know, now may be the time to exit for some of that property from a portfolio from their business perspective. Uh, so it's interesting how the smart money goes in two different directions, really. 
which I guess highlights the um, the fun of retail is trying to figure out which way it's going. But they, I don't know, Cambridge clearly making a bet there. Uh, they're going to have less retail than more uh, in, as they move forward. Uh, retail around the world. So um, uh, interesting kind of a cover, general, interesting article from CNBC. Who said these stores are dead? Five retailers. Who said stores are dead? Five retailers investing billions of dollars in bricks and mortar. Of course, I said they're not dead. I've been saying that for two years, if not more. Uh, boring retail, as, as is often said, is, is dead. Uh, anyway, this is a nice one of those summary articles that looks at uh, some big players, Target, Walmart, uh, in the U.S., it's a U.S. article just talks about how much they're actually investing in their bricks and mortar, which is quite substantial. Uh, so um, good article there. Uh, article called the Re- On the Return of Bleecker Street. So, you know, it, it's uh, this from the New York Times, and um, it's an article that talks about how I think it's Brookfield actually put some money into the West Village and, and really – it seems like they're trying to turn it into another Fifth Avenue, which the locals tell me it was never really meant to be. So this article was actually met when you read the reviews and some of the comments on New York Times uh, and actually an editorial piece about the article and other magazines as often as the case. Um, people, you know, on the one hand say, look, it's revitalizing uh, retail in New York City and, and isn't that a good thing? Um, but others are saying, yeah, this actually points to the weakness in retail. So it's really an interesting article to read from that and be sure and read comments uh, associated to it. Because, again, um, two different perspectives on the same uh, phenomenon, which is, um, you know, that's not real retail. You're just making that up versus, uh, you know, this is what retail looks like today. Lots of Instagrammable, driven by consumers kind of retail. So worth a read. Uh, this from Upworthy, Patagonia CEO is donating the entire company's $10 million Trump tax cut to fight climate change. So a great example of a, of a brand putting its money where its mouth is. Patagonia owner, never a big fan of uh, Trump or his policies, and basically saying, um, you know, yes, we did save money thanks to these uh, cuts, but yes, it is in their uh, estimation coming at the cost of, of what uh, is going to happen to the planet, what's going to happen to the environment. So let's just put back that $10 million that we gained back into fighting uh, climate change. So that's pretty, uh, uh, you know, pretty high, uh, uh, high strategy, high-minded. I don't mean high-minded in terms of um, anything other than, you know, really walking the talk. So good on Patagonia for doing that, that from Upworthy. Uh, from Grocery Dive, uh, Executive of the Year, this obviously from the States, Doug McMillan from Walmart. Uh, Walmart has done so many amazing things uh, over the past 18 months. You know, uh, people often ask me, who's the next Amazon? I often say, well, Amazon's the next Amazon. They're not done doing what they're going to do. But uh, Amazon's next biggest competitor and actually biggest competitor today is Walmart. Walmart is the next Amazon in many ways. And I don't think the Walmart that exists today would exist without Amazon in, in one of those ironies. Uh, in fact, uh, breaking news, not any news, but Amazon or sorry, Walmart bought uh, art.com uh, this week as well. So that makes uh, one of many, many purchases they've done to try to expand their portfolio uh, and leverage their tremendous uh, scale, size, and, and sophistication uh, on buying uh, online sites. Of course, jet.com being one of the, uh, the other marquee purchases uh, that they've done that has really uh, revitalized uh, a lot of what they do on the commerce side. Again, from Retail Dive, there's an article here on Nike Live. And this isn't the Nike building that just opened up in New York. Uh, this is about a new concept uh, that has opened up in, uh, in uh, California. And I guess 
they're uh, also expanding in Tokyo. And Nike Live is a member-only store concept with a focus on mobile and two-week merchandise rotation. Uh, so interesting. It's not, again, what uh, they just launched with a great deal of fanfare. I'll be checking it out uh, in January in New York City on Fifth Avenue. But it's a whole different concept. Uh, so uh, it's actually confusing because the, the media is calling uh, one of those two Nikes the future of retail. So we'll see which one is actually the future of retail. Of course, the short answer is it could be both. Uh, Sears chairman uh, offers to buy a bankrupt retailer. So Eddie Lambert has put forward a, a bid valued $4.6 billion to the bankrupt uh, to buy the bankrupt retailer. Uh, so this, uh, this drama continues. The, uh, the saga continues. Uh, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, uh, it, you know, as as my uh, I got to know uh, Steve Dennis, um, who's a, uh, a great commentator and uh, find him on stage together. And as as he often says, uh, and in other news, uh, took a pile of cash and set fire to it. So um, we'll see how how and where this whole uh, Sears thing in the U.S. winds up. I know where I think it's going to wind up. Uh, and I think I'm more aligned with uh, Steve Dennis than, uh, than I guess I'm aligned with Eddie Lambert. Anyway, uh, news for retail entrepreneurs. Article here uh, with, uh, featured with um, uh, Heather Reisman from Indigo, who's done uh, such a good job of, uh, of steering that business. Uh, and uh, just a nice a look back. Uh, it's an interview in the Vancouver Sun. They've got a new Robson Street store. And just talking about how that business has changed. Uh, how they're adapting to how people read and, of course, how they're adapting to how their store is. And, and recently, uh, you know, Indigo opened up in New Jersey, so uh, we wish them uh, nothing but luck, and, and it's a great uh, great Canadian business story to watch. Uh, I, as another business story to watch, the whole decimum, I've reported on it a couple of times, the Abnormal Beauty Company, uh, the founder, uh, this from the National Post, talk about uh, something to watch. This is just, uh, you know, <laughs> Oh, man, this story is incredible. Uh, and, you know, on a serious note, of course, uh, serious mental health issues from the owner of Decimum and how the business, uh, the Lauder family and how the business is dealing with it. Uh, so it's uh, a little gossipy, I guess you could say, as a story. Uh, I still thought it was interesting to put in because, um, you know, what's been happening with Decimum affects real people who work in those stores. Uh, and uh, not that uh, the people who... Uh, not that the founder's not a real person, but these these uh, actions, these craziness, has an effect on people, and, and people are trying to pay the mortgage. So I thought it was an article worth reading, and, uh, you know, it's kind of a gossipy article to read, too. So. Uh, in addition from Global News, Montreal Bookstore uh, makes a giant 200-pound latke for Hanukkah. Uh, happy Hanukkah to those uh, celebrating that uh, this week or this past week. Um, they've created a massive... Latke is a way, of sh- uh, a way of sharing Hanukkah uh, with members of the Montreal. It's a Montreal-based uh, organization. Uh, so anyway, it's a very fun picture. Uh, looks, uh, looks pretty amazing, so check that out. And uh, a great article from the Calgary Herald about uh, – talk about a change of transition of jobs. So this welder uh, – the story tells this story of a welder became an entrepreneur and is now the owner of Calgary's largest cannabis store. Uh, so of all the things uh, he could have done, uh, this, uh, this person uh, opened up Green Earth Cannabis and is now um, the biggest cannabis store in uh, Calgary. So, uh, you know, cannabis, amongst other things, cannabis retail, recreational retail, creating so many opportunities for retailers and for entrepreneurs alike. So check that article out. It's actually really interesting. 
Um, moving on to supply chain, article here from uh, Canadian Retailer Optimizing the Supply Chain. Great read. Uh, it seems to be the addition of, of the year stories. This, uh, this article uh, from Railway Age, uh, CN's Roost Railroader of the Year. Uh, so this is uh, Jean-Jacques J.J. Roost is now uh, who leads CN. Uh, is been named uh, the Railroader of the Year and CN, a great supporter of uh, Retail in Canada and Retail Council of Canada as well. Uh, so uh, interesting article, and uh, they're really moving that business forward. No pun intended, or I guess pun intended. Um, you know, it's moving like a locomotive. It's Anyway, so I'll stop now. Um, anyway, check that out. Uh, from Supply Chain Magazine, uh, kind of a fun article about spelling out the omnichannel alphabet soup. Talks about BOPUS, Boris, Boss, all these anacronyms we use for picking up in store or returning to store. So it really kind of breaks that down, uh, not as a 101, but as a kind of a 201, and talks about how important those are to retail. Uh, and then uh, a story from Axios on uh, some of the things that uh, the Trump administration is doing to the USPS, with the USPS, U.S. Postal Service, to uh, put a uh, to be a gr- to put a lump of coal into Amazon stocking, so to speak. Uh, you know, Trump has come out uh, talking about how uh, Amazon's getting a free ride on uh, the taxpayers' back, uh, and he uh, looks like he's going about to do something about it, notwithstanding uh, the announcement of where Amazon's HQ is going to go. So uh, I think Amazon wise to locate uh, close to Washington so they can keep their hand on that pulse uh, of that story. Uh, Spotlight of Retail uh, Research, if you haven't seen it, Retail Fast Facts, uh, which uh, for November. Uh, talks about uh, September. That's the, you know, comes out in November, talks about September. These are economic stats by, produced by Retail Council of Canada, but actually produced by Stats Canada and interpreted by or reported by or sliced and diced by uh, Retail Council of Canada. So if you're a retailer, uh, they are fundamental to work with and work through. Uh, and you can find a summary of those on Retail Council of Canada's website at retailcouncil.org. Uh, Saskatchewan shoppers spending less on Christmas. Uh, that was from the Retail Council survey. Uh, some insight there about uh, how spending per person varies from, from province to province. Saskatchewan uh, at around $611. Uh, from memory, Ontario is in 820 $825, and, and uh, Quebec is down in the 400 So, it does, you know, it varies by province. It doesn't really align to the economy. The economy in Quebec is great. Uh, so there's other factors at play. So interesting reading there from uh, CTV News. Uh, as well, um, as well, we've got uh, what's happening really in retail. This is probably one of those, you know, each of these uh, e, this, this, these news stories, um, there's a really interesting one, the thoughtful one, and this is a good one from The Atlantic. It talks about what's really happening to retail in Manhattan. And there's been, you know, you read articles from the New York Times saying, you know, it's a crisis. One of five retail stores is, is vacant in uh, Manhattan. Well, this, this story actually calls, says that's nonsense. It actually points to other articles say that's nonsense. That's how you're measuring it. So it's a really, a really good uh, article about what's happening in retail uh, found in the Atlantic. So do check that out. Uh, another great article from NPR about why aren't millennials spending? And they come to a very quick and conclusion, uh, millennials are different because they, they're poor. They don't have as much money than the previous generation. Uh, so the millennials that they're defined as between born in 81 and 97, ages 21 to 37, paid a price for coming of age of the Great Recession uh, and historically weak labor demand. Of course, we know leak, there's not weak labor demand now. Uh, but anyway, good article from NPR. 
of course, we would imagine that economics shapes behavior, so we know that uh, millennials act and try to understand them from the retail perspective. This is a good article to add to that. Um, and from uh, last and not least, from Fashionista, the hot new trend in luxury retail not selling anything. Um, some of them do that by default, actually. Uh, as retailers find it difficult to get shoppers into their stores, a lot of luxury brands have a strategy for engaging consumers and just go hang out. And uh, it's an interesting trend. It's, it's kind of next level from Instagrammable stores into just doing pop-ups and events, really, promos with consumers that is not selling. It's just really engaging. There's pictures here, some tarot card reading. So it's a good, um, a good article to read if you're particularly uh, looking at, uh, at luxury brands and how they approach the market. So uh, one particular lens on retail. And that's a wrap on the Voice Retail Podcast, edition number 20. Thanks for listening. Uh, this retail podcast generously sponsored by Stream Commerce, North America's fastest growing Shopify Plus agency. Uh, Stream Commerce offers uh, both strategy or they offer the, the triple threat. Uh, they do fantastic strategy. They do build and then they'll run programs to drive traffic through marketing. So a uh, really uh, super organization to, uh, to turn to. For all things uh, e-commerce, great expertise, Ted Starkman, uh, no one better, no one sharper uh, to think through strategy and then uh, actually go from strategy through to execution. So learn more on streamcommerce.com and we'll talk again next week.